Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. It is Thursday. Oh, we're going to make it, Molly. You and so I. Close. Just so drag close. me over to finish line. <laughs> just. Good <laughs> chunk. Good chunk. And now then tonight so we have to do our first appearance uh, together in public at a private event. Uh, but today we're going to talk about a huge, huge M&A out of nowhere. Adobe is buying Figma for $20 billion. Billion. This is like startup fairy tale right now. We just get to well, play the full Prince Charming hmm. startup dream from start to finish. We're going to go from we're going to do the seed investor multiples all the way to the acquisition. Uh, it's delightful. And then we're going to talk about the justification for sorry to interrupt for the justification yeah. for this. Like, so we go into the detail of how does Adobe justify paying probably three or 400 times revenue for this company. It's a really totally. important discussion and how for you, founders. startup founder, when we ask you what happens when the incumbent builds the thing you're building, we're going to give you the answer to that question also. And then our guy Lon Harris is here for this week in streaming. Uh, we're going to talk about the Emmy wins. We're going to talk about the layoffs. General Zodzloff is doing at Warner Brothers. Some new shows coming out that you should look for, including the Spotify story and Blade Runner 2099 from oh, my guy. Thursdays. Thursdays, Thursdays, Thursdays are the best. It's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by LinkedIn Marketing. To redeem a free $100 LinkedIn ad credit and launch your first campaign, go to linkedin.com slash thisweekinstartups. Snack Magic and Swag Magic are global gifting platforms and the most stress-free and customizable way to delight employees or customers. Get 10% cash back up to $1,000 until October 15th with code HOLIDAY. And see more at snackmagic.com twist. And the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub helps all founders build a better startup at a lower cost from day one. Open to anyone with an idea, you'll get up to $150,000 in Azure credits, technical advisory, access to mentors and experts, free dev tools, and so much more. There is no funding requirement, and it only takes minutes to join. Sign up today at aka.ms slash thisweekinstartups. All right, so we've been doing Series A and M&A, and since we have started that, this is the biggest M&A news, I think. Hmm. to come along that that actually just people are like so excited about and a massive exit adobe has agreed to acquire figma for 20 billion dollars according to so, bloomberg so this would be i mean right this is like all that cash that they everybody's been piling up apparently nice. adobe using its stimmies on figma <laughs> 20 billion dollars according to bloomberg this would be the largest ever takeover of a private software company. The market did not like it. Adobe's stock was down 18%. Adobe's market cap is currently $147 billion. Um, and Adobe is reporting quarterly earnings for fiscal Q3 today. According to our guy, Alex Wilhelm, he noted the markup from its Series A. Hmm. PitchBook pegs the post-money valuation of the Figma Series A at 483 dollars million dollars and a juicy series a at that and yeah, that was a pretty juicy series a and here this makes for a 413 x return at 20 now, million dollars just keep in mind that if those returns did not take their pro rata in other words they didn't keep investing mm -hmm. and they did five rounds which they did after that they did a b c d and e i think yeah. each of those rounds would dilute 10 percent. you compound the 10 percent or even 20 percent. you might have 50 percent of that so it would net out to maybe a 200 x return that means if you did put five million dollars in there you returned 200 times 5 million, a billion dollars on a $5 million investment. It's a living. It's a living. It's a living. That and was if such you're a fun, good mic we talk drop. about that fun size sometimes. I just got to pause and say, as a podcasting moment, mic drop. Yeah. It's a living. It's a living. Now here, now this would have come out of a $250 million fund. So the first 250 million would go to return the principal invested. You'd have 750 million in gains from that fund just off this one investment. Let's assume all the other investments in the fund went to zero. Just a little back of the envelope math here. 20% of 750 million, 150 million for the partners, five partners in the firm, three partners, in the, well, five partners in the firm of that size, uh, five partners divided by 150 million, 30 million each partner. Everybody's getting a plane. Everybody's getting a ski house. Let's go. <laughs> It's a limit. So what is, I feel like we should do a little like, what is Figma and why'd they buy it? Figma is it's the uh, software, software for creating mock-ups 
for mm-hmm. UX and UI. Uh, Envision would be a contemporary. So if you're designing something as a team, your designers will make it in Figma, you can click on it. So when I get a new version of Inside, when they do the job board at Inside, inside.com slash jobs, they would send it to me in Figma, and we'd have conversations on it. So it's collaboration around the production of web based products, uh, iPhone apps, etc. And then so people will do what's called user interface UI or use UX, which stands for user experience, you don't have to go all the way back to like okay, level so one. I would do it for the sake of the audience, not you. Molly, but <laughs> okay, good, 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 good. But anyway, it's multiplayer yeah, I mean, is what you need to understand. So you know how Microsoft Word single player you you edit the document, you send everybody the document, you get four copies of the document back. and You're like, Oh, my God, four different sets of edits. Yeah. In Figma, it's live, you're on the web, you get a link, you hit play and on your phone in the browser, it looks like the app. So you can actually build an entire app in Figma. That's a clickable, what's called a clickable mockup. So, so then the CEO, the sales team, everybody can play with it. And then you hold on it. And you put a comment, hey, I don't understand why we're putting, you know, this piece of copy here, shouldn't it say this, then somebody else replies, Oh, we had this discussion. Here's a link to our code and notion page where we discussed that. But you can have discussions like you do in a Google spreadsheet. Yeah. Or doc. It's amazing. And you can see why it should be the kind of thing that Adobe this is sort of a, this is a classic disruptor story. Like Adobe tried to build this yes. with Adobe Express. They, you know, people were like, we want you to be more web-based. The The idea of collaboration, you know, once Google made that completely obvious and available to everybody with docs and sheets and all the yep. different ways that you could collaborate in real time, it was like unacceptable not to have that. And when yep. Adobe tried to build it, it just didn't, you know, when you're the incumbent, you have a hard time, like, Companies come to us all the time and say, you know, and I'm like, and and we say, well, what happens if Uber just builds this or Adobe builds it or Apple does it or whatever? And what they say is, when you're the incumbent, it's really hard to do this. And we're just hoping they'd rather buy us than build it. And this is an example of Figma being right. Well, and here's if you if you double click even one more time, we call this the triple click. So that was a great double click. I'm going to do another double click on your double click. This grew virally. Now, this is where network mm-hmm. effects and virality and growth are so important. So the answer typically to the question you pose, the valid question, what if Uber does this? What if Microsoft does it? What if Adobe does it is, well, we have virality built into the product. So we're going to grow so fast, they won't be able to catch up and then we'll be the standard. So because it was multiplayer mode, just like in Notion, Coda, Slack, Google Docs, you say at Jason, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I click on the link and it's like, you don't have an account. If you want to reply to this comment, log in with your Google account, log in with your Twitter account, whatever, log in with your Microsoft account. That virality is what creates the gap. Now, what Adobe should have done was they should have made their version of this free. F-R-E-E. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be the way to do them. Who faced a similar challenge and made it free and won? Can you think of a, a situation where somebody had virality as a startup? Yeah. They've won the day. And then a bigger company made it free and screwed them and had so much headwinds that the company had to take drastic action. I don't know what example you're thinking of, but I sort of feel like it had to have been like Apple or Amazon. Microsoft, right? Microsoft did. Oh, Microsoft Teams. Versus Slack. All right. Look (laughs) at the whisper in the ear. So anyway. Thank you. Thanks, Nick. Remember Slack. It's like you guys talk all the time. I spent too much time with Jason. I was just going to say, it's like you guys are one brain up in here. (laughs) So, I mean, (laughs) somebody said at some point to Slack, what if... Microsoft gets in this game and it's like, well, they will. And we'll have created, I think they, when they sold to Salesforce, it was 25 billion or 30 billion. So, you know, even more than this sale. And they had gone public, but they just turned Microsoft Teams on for everybody, which kind of makes you think the new antitrust is to make a product free mm-hmm. and bundle it, which is what Microsoft well, got in trouble always, with. with yeah. Bundling always a little red flag. But how do you argue against bundling if you're giving something for free? It's kind of hard because there's no consumer harm. Obviously, it does. And does it make competition go down? No, it makes the other people work harder to provide value. So anyway, it, it I don't was, mean to this, be a big antitrust nerd, but consumer harm is just generally reflected as higher prices. But that's not like the statute. So a big argument in the antitrust circle is saying like, we got to measure consumer harm in a different way. What does the lack of competition actually mean? And then we're then we're stretching and for like some moment. alternative universe, right? Now you're in alternative universe land, like has Microsoft made Slack better? Of course it has. Microsoft Teams made Slack 10 times better. They, that was like a kick in the ass they needed. Yep. Now they have oh, to justify 100%. their existence. And I think oh, Slack I, is still winning, but it's close, right? I think Slack is still growing, but I don't think people who use Microsoft Office or have what is Microsoft 365 
are going to embrace Slack. Yeah. They're just going to use Teams because they're already logged in and it's there. And people who are in Zoom, because Zoom is going to launch a Zoom Teams, or what are they calling the Zoom Slack competitor that I Zoom had predicted? Zoom communications or, yeah, I don't know, know. Zoom chat, something chat like that. Will be coming to Zoom team chat. Zoom team chat. Zoom, yeah, Microsoft Teams, Zoom Teams. They should call it Zoom Teams. The end, full stop. But it's not free because it's part of a paid bundle, Molly. So then how does antitrust look at that? I know this is like super nuanced and we're in the weeds here. No, I love it. Yeah, congratulations to uh, Figma. Congratulations I think a lot Figma of Figma and people those seed are, investors. <laughs> how did they do? Because that must have been a what, a 10, $20 million value? So the, Nick did the calculation for us. Index Ventures led the seed oh. at a $14.8 million valuation. Uh, so this is a... 1,351x from the seed. The total okay. capital, total invested mm -hmm. capital in the seed round was $3.8 million. So if we're assuming that index did half of that as the lead or $1.9 mm -hmm. million times 1,000x, that would be a $1.9 billion return. And I would I would cut it in half because they- Because dilution. Dilution possibly, mm -hmm. but they're the type of firm that might actually take their pro rata every time. But if they didn't take their pro rata, it'd be a 500x. And so, you know, th these things do happen. Um, yeah. A thousand X is incredibly rare in a career. So congratulations to anybody who, you know, joined the yeah. the one comma club in multiples. Uh, I've been there myself and it's a wonderful place to be. Uh, I hope to get there with one more in my career. It's just a hard one to get to. But if this great. is 20 billion. It's a great story. Yeah. Adobe's making 5 billion. How much is Adobe making a year? They make 4 billion a quarter or something like that. They're a 20 I billion think run rate. So something they're recording. Range? Yeah, Q3 revenue was $4.4 billion. Okay, so up 13%. Yeah. They've gotten clobbered, um, obviously, post pandemic stock drop, but interestingly, has only $5.7 billion in cash and short term investments. So they can get cash from somebody. They're taking on some debt, maybe. Or they're doing stock. I bet you they're going to do they're stock. Because the stock is low right now. It's half cash, half stock. Perfect. Half 10 billion cash, in cash. They can, they can get a loan for that, you know, at a low interest rate from somebody. Yeah. As low as it used to be. Uh, and then they can, yeah, they, I guess they get a bond, basically. Get the yeah. model. And then they, the other 10% means 10 billion. In, uh, there are 150 billion market cap, something in that range? 100? 143. Okay, yeah. So, you know, it's not even 10% right, yeah. of that in stock. This is the same as WhatsApp. Everybody thought WhatsApp was a stupid purchase. Mm -hmm. uh, because it was at the time, was it 10 or 15%, 15 of Facebook's value, I think. Here's mm -hmm. what I'll say. This is a blocker strategy as well. Yes. This is removing the existential threat. If Figma then started to make Photoshop, Illustrator, is uh, Adobe Premiere? Yep, Premiere is the video, is video editor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if Figma is doing so well, they go public, maybe they start buying or building their own suite and they just go one, two, three down the, the line. Because they, they were at the go public point. At yes. least like it seems like revenue and growth wise. Yeah, 100%. I wonder what their revenue was. That would be good to get the multiple of revenue for Figma. I don't have Figma's revenue. That's It's not a public company. Right. But I'm going to take a guess at it right now. Uh, Last valuation, if this helps you, 40? was $10 billion. Okay, so $10 billion. They could have gotten 100 times revenue, which would have been 100 million in revenue. Yeah. Uh, they could have had 200 million in revenue and done 50 times. So I'm going to guess they got 50 to 100 times their top line revenue. Now that sounds crazy, right? To pay that much. But if Figma in any way would have destroyed revenue and market cap of Adobe, which it obviously was doing, already was, yeah, already was. Then you just look at your market cap and you're like, well, listen, this is going to keep us from getting to a $250 billion market cap. Take it out now. We remove an existential threat. So mm -hmm. it's like a really easy layup of a decision, even though yeah. if Wall Street doesn't like it, you know, you wouldn't like Whatever. Adobe stock going sideways for the next five years or going down. That would be a worse situation. Mm -hmm. And if they bundle it with their product or they expose their existing user base to it, uh, maybe they could increase revenue 50%. They could accelerate revenue 25%. If they accelerate revenue 25%, 50% for the next three years, well, then that takes that multiple down, doesn't it? Yeah. So the multiple wouldn't seem as bad as it is. So that's, that's what they call in the M&A business, having a thesis. Hey, everybody. I'm here with my pal, Tom Eschbacher. He is the senior sales manager at LinkedIn Marketing Solutions. And today... We're going to talk about marketing for startups. And LinkedIn did a great new internal report 
call today in startup marketing. Welcome to the program, Tom. Thanks, Jason. One of the main topics covered in the report is validating product market fit. That's so essential. So how does marketing play a role in validating PMF? One of the challenges from the pandemic was it disrupted normal feedback loops that startups get, and particularly when trying to scale assumptions based on small sample sizes. You can't go to conferences anymore. You can't do events. And so we've seen a clever adoption of LinkedIn's free analytics tools here. And one that's become table stakes, and I mean, 92% of Series A startups are using it, is the LinkedIn Insight tag. A feature here is the website demographics functionality that provides a valuable view on your site visitors' professional attributes. What's their job function, their seniority level, what company are they at, the industry, the company size. This is all a bunch of actionable insight that you can use to back up your instincts around who your addressable market is and help inform early marketing strategies. Fantastic. Okay. And so if you would like to get this incredible report, you can go to linkedin.com slash this week in startups. And not only can you get the report for free, you're also going to get $100 off your first marketing campaign from Tom at LinkedIn. Way to go, Tom. So post merger, what's your thesis? The post merger thesis for YouTube was what? The post-merger thesis for YouTube was YouTube's going to continue to grow and be something that gets us customer lock-in and accounts. We can distribute it I guess. across our cloud uh, and to every country because we're already in every country. they have the cloud then? But yeah, yeah. Uh, we well, can distribute they had it their across own our private, network. Yeah, the public. They had the private network. So they said, listen, to YouTube, like, we're buying this for 1.6. Who cares? Like, we're going to be able to send this. We've already got Google search working in 100 right. countries. Every time you they, search for anything, you get a YouTube video. Exactly the end yeah. instagram they were like hey listings at whatever it was 50 100 million users i think when they sold it. we got a billion like, we, we could just if we let them cross post our instagram to facebook we can get grandma and you know uncle joe and cousin bobby over to instagram so that's the thesis is like if we owned it what could we do to accelerate its growth mm -hmm. and salesforce probably had a similar thing with slack hey if we owned it and we expose everybody who is in the salesforce group to it could we do more if we had our sales if we had our Salesforce sales team selling it, would we be better than Slack's existing team? So those are the yeah, what do they call it? Like machinations? It. Am I pronouncing that machinations? machinations? Yeah, it's the machinations that the M and A team and the CEO and the B, the BD the business team go through to justify paying a high price. What if? What if? What if? So they make a couple of scenarios and they say, what are the chances of these three scenarios happening? And that's something when you're building a company that you can work on to increase the sale price. Okay, yeah, you want to buy inside.com? Yeah, it's a social network. It's got 15,000 people on it. But if it was owned by Business Insider or Vox, and you put all your, your 500 journalists on it, in addition to our 25, mm -hmm. now you'd have 500 journalists participating, they would each bring 1000 people. Now you'd have a half million people on the service. So mm -hmm. if Jim Bankoff at Vox were to buy inside.com, that would be my pitch to him. He's yeah, like, yeah. you don't have a social network. You've got 500 journalists, put all 500 journalists on here, have them start talking about their stories. They all have Twitter followings. Now you've got a social network that competes with LinkedIn for all these businesses. That's pretty good. Yeah, maybe I could talk. Did to you Jim just Bankoff. make that up? Oh, I, I just made it off the top of my head. Like I, I always along. think about the acquire and what they would do. I was, I was just you thinking, should probably clip this and send that to him. Okay. Yeah, anyway, somebody a, clip this and just add bank off it. Hey, at bank yeah. off. Let's talk. Yeah. Now, overpay me for my startup. Let's go. <laughs> let's okay, come well, up with a. Let's have some machinations over some theories. Yeah, that was yeah. It's a good pitch. You should write that down for sure. Before we move on, can I ask you a diligence question about yes, this? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, is it standard practice for the Adobe team to cross-reference Figma users with their own users to see how much upside they have in terms of like how much okay. expansion can you really have if so much yes. of the users are overlapping? So this is a little touchy, right? Because you don't want to expose your whole client list. So what you would do is you would take a sample of them. Say, who are your 10 biggest customers? Okay, it's IBM, okay, and you, you, you got Microsoft, you got Apple, great, we have all those. How many seats do you have at Apple? Oh, you've got 700 seats at Apple? We've got 7,000, okay, great. There sounds like the difference between 7,000 and 700 is 6,300. There's 6,300 people who we could probably just turn this on for, and wow, Revenue comes pouring in. So yes, that does happen. When we sold Weblogs Inc. to Jim Bankoff, who was at AOL at the time as an executive vice president, they did look at Engadget, Autoblog, Joystick and say, who are the top advertisers? Oh, Samsung and, you know, at the time, Radio Shack and uh, THX and, you know, PlayStation, whoever. And they're like, oh, yeah, we have them as advertisers, too. And it's like, yeah, we sold them a $250,000 deal. Like, oh, yeah, we have them on a $25 million a year deal. So it was like, okay. 
And the, and the theory for AOL and Bankoff when they bought us was the AOL tech channel and the auto channels are sold out. We have no more inventory, but we have a lot of users. So if we just link to Molly, the top three stories on Engadget and Autoblog every day, mm-hmm. we can take the ads and we make Engadget part of the AOL tech ad buy. We mm-hmm. make Autoblog part of the uh, AOL autos ad buy. You have better stories than us. Put the three stories there. Boom, we ship them over there. And Brian Alvey built Blogsmith and it could scale and it had like kind of CDN-ish kind of features in it. It was really good in terms of caching. They would send us a half million people. They had sold out the ads for a $100 CPM. All of a sudden, boom, $50,000 in ads boom, in one day. Boom, 50,000 ads one day. They bought the company for 30 million. They immediately got us from three or 400,000 in revenue to five, 10 million in revenue, like just year over year. So their wow. thesis was, right. we're sold out anyway. <laughs> everybody wants more impressions we in need these two more categories. inventory we have an infrastructure to turn this Correct. on yeah totally fascinating looks like surge dog um uh, my guy cb yeah Nody. he says 2021 20, revenue is 51 million i think i said 50 to 100 or 100 to you 200. sure did yep this uh, is via cb so i said 50 million would be 20 times revenue right uh top line uh, mm-hmm. would, uh i'm sorry 100 million times 100 so maybe 2022 was looking like 100 million, 100 times 100 is 10 Probably, yeah. And they probably doubled it. So they have it, folks. So that would, yeah, that would be 400x last year's revenue. But you, you would look at the run rate. So what happened last month? They got to have twice as much revenue. So if that point in time, they were doing 4 million a month, they're probably doing 10 million a month now, 20 million a month, something like that. So it, it, the, the, the multiple would come down. But yep. it's, in the, it's in the line of overpaying on a multiple. And it being worth it as we just broke down. Great All right, well, let's, uh, let's talk about a whole different thesis because okay. there was like a, another huge breaking news story yesterday, late yesterday, uh, that we're going to unpack today because it took us that long to wrap our heads around it. <laughs> Reverse M&A. Patagonia CEO dumps his company. Patagonia's founder is giving is the company away to fight climate change. So sure. has... Yes. Effectively divested himself and his family personally. from Patagonia personally, created a trust so that the profits of the company, which he founded 50 years ago, Yvon Chouinard, will go to fight climate change. Basically, this there the are guy some who details did Let My People Surf. Down, Is he the guy who wrote that book, Let My People Surf? I don't know. Let My People Go Surfing, I think, or something like that. Um, this guy is like a baller. He uh, yeah. built this company. He treats his employees incredibly well, from what I understand. I think they own it outright so they own it outright so what they're doing essentially is similar to what gates did with the gates foundation except maybe for a hundred percent instead of 50 yeah. percent or 51 percent of his net worth they yeah. put his holdings in a trust so every i think they make a hundred million a year in profits they said uh yeah let my people surf guy the hundred million in profits will go towards climate change or buying land that you know uh becomes protected spaces and a billion by the way they sell more than a billion dollars a year in but I was talking about profits. Oh, oh yeah, sorry, sorry. I was profits. going with the profits. They have a ten percent yep. profit, hundred million a year. Right. Yeah. Hundred million dollars a year buys a lot of acres. Yeah. So I love this as a concept, and I just immediately tweeted, "I'm going to shit." I'm literally my plan for this weekend is I, I want to get some more active wear anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm exclusively shopping at Patagonia for my active wear, whatever my needs are. I'm literally yeah. I, I've I've shopped there of course a couple times. Uh, I love going to the stores. Is this going to be like my exclusive thing because I'm like, wow, if I shop there, it goes to. You know this. I'm gonna. Nick says good yeah. snow pants. I'm. I'm. I'm all in. Great I love snow it. pants. Great jackets. Ninety-eight percent of his power stock move. went into this nonprofit, what uh, percent? which will be called the ninety-eight wow. percent. They 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 took some. They donated their shares to a trust, so they have to pay seventeen and a half million dollars in taxes on that gift. And then the other ninety percent of this of Patagonia, its common shares, go to this new nonprofit called the Holdfast Collective. Which will, as you said, be the recipient of all the company's profits and use the funds to combat climate change. It's a 501c4, so it can make unlimited political contributions, and Sweet. it is not a tax write-off for the family. The family is taking no tax benefit as a result oh, of this. Shit. So unlike the philanthropic, and and I am not trying to suggest that the yeah. Gates Foundation doesn't do a lot of phil- you know great philanthropic work. Yeah, they they get a tax. It's break also for it. a tax break. Yeah, and you know it's sort of in line with Warren Buffett saying like. Listen, the bill I get isn't the bill. I could pay more taxes. 
Of course. And this you is know, this you, family, in addition to saying all of our profits are going to go toward, you know, fighting climate change as a philanthropic effort, which is 2% of philanthropic giving right now, fighting climate change, 2% of yeah. global philanthropic giving is to fight climate change. They're also saying it's not a, it's not a tax dodge. No, it's not a tax dodge. Um, it's a pretty remarkable. You had Bezos gave $10 billion, So, you know, Bezos is 1.9% of that. This is 0.5. Like, congratulations to people taking this seriously. And yeah. I think I think the power move, really, for rich people is to buy land and preserve it. And uh, I, I know Gates bought a lot of farmland, but I think it's an investment. But I also think it might be a preservation That's move as problematic. well. That's problematic. Uh, yeah. well, I don't know if he bought it through the Gates. I think he bought it personally, not through the Gates Foundation, is my understanding. But I don't have enough information of that. But I know other people have bought large swaths of land. And they did this, I remember when I was in New York around the Hudson River. They wanted mm -hmm. the Hudson River to get clean. And they're like, you know what we're going to do is we're going to do this Hudson River watershed project, I believe it was called. And uh, one of the Kennedys and some other folks in New York just started raising money, you know, at uh, parties in New York. And they just went up and down the Hudson and bought the, the acreage around it. Well, if you own all the acreage attached to the Hudson, well, you can't dump refrigerators and oil and whatever toxins into there, you know, or yeah. runoff. I think so there was like, a point at which that mattered, but I would also like, we need green housing, we need more, we need financing for renewable energy projects. Like there's a yeah. lot more that can be done than just like taking land away from, you well, know. I, I just think it's like, it's, like, it's a the beautiful part of the solution. Be over climate migration. So if you, if you have set up a trust that intends to make some of that land available for climate refugees. Sure. Great. Right. Why but not? like, or I don't parks know. Just or whatever. I mean, yeah. but if you look at what's happening in like the <laughs> rainforest. Whatever. I mean, there's, there's enough, like, we have enough land for people to live on. We don't, the amount of land isn't the problem. It's like how we're using it and the zoning. But I, I think also these people buying, what a lot of people are doing is now they're going to the farmers, the people who are selling their land in the rainforest for wood, they're not actually making that much money. So going there and making a preemptor saying, don't cut down the wood. We'll just buy the land from you. Right. Great. I'm into and you that. you can use it. Like yeah. that's super cool too. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I'm fascinated by this idea of, buying forests uh, and maintaining them. Yeah. But, and sure, housing is important too. Yeah. Both of these things are true at the same time. Totally. Yeah. Anyway, this is but a the housing thing move. is because of this NIMBY. That's all Mark Andreessen's Oh my fault. God. I'm not trying to derail us. I'm just saying that like throughout all of his history, private land ownership by the wealthy has produced issues. Well, this is nonprofits though owning it. I'm talking about nonprofits. If, if it's nonprofits and the trust, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just... I I'm just saying, do, I wonder about that. the philanthropic solutions that we could think of, like, and I'm not that everything should happen. I am an everybody in the pool girl. You're a little bit cynical about it. I understand you're, you're, you don't, you're wondering if people are abusing this. Is that my correct? Yes. Or it's the most optimal if I'm listening correctly. Is it I the most optimal? Are people abusing it? I guess are two valid I, concerns. Both of those are my questions, right? Like, yeah, I think like, is it the most optimal? I don't know, because what we really need to do is get off fossil fuels. So if you buy like a whole bunch of land to preserve, but you take, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a 50-50. Buy some land and then uh, put up solar panels. We're all good. <laughs> there we go. I mean, actually, yeah. Put, uh, buy actually, up the yes, land. Right. And, and put a, a nuclear power solutions. plant in the middle. Buy the rainforest. Pop a nuke right in the middle. Nobody wants oh, to Lord. live near a nuke. <laughs> <laughs> if buy, it's already cleared. Yeah, listen, they, they probably cleared a lot of it. You just dump a nuke right in the middle of the okay. rainforest and run some Now cables. we're getting creative. Now we're getting creative. Here we go, folks. <laughs> this, there's a lot of memes that came out of this, but the Cousin so Greg many. one won the day. It really did. I That's mean, life imitating art is never gets old. Here's Cousin <sighs> Greg. Well, my grandpa gave my inheritance to Greenpeace, which is a pretty great moment in the show. It, Greg is such a complex character. Oh, He's such a, a buffoon. Just, also, shout out to, to Nicholas that. Braun, Emmy nominated for Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series. He got a nomination. He and, did get nom. And Tom won for Best Supporting uh, Actor. Isn't, wasn't that so Wait, perfect? Tom won? Tom, Tom won. won. And Greg was and nominated. And Greg was nominated, which was, oh which my was God. really well, the, you know, almost the only outcome to follow If you're going to make a Tomlet, you're going to have to crack a couple of Gregs. A couple um, of Gregs. That's got to break some Gregs. Got to break some Gregs. Uh, listen, that makes total sense to me. Tom Wise, what's his last name? Wamsgans. Wamsgans. Oh, he's the great. He's the Wamsgans. greatest. Wamsgans. Yeah, I just he, love both was... of these characters because they're the same person at different points in their career. They're the same person. Greg's just naive, but trying to be a shark and trying yeah. to navigate this. And then Tom is like, he just immediately navigates this. And there's so much more to talk about streaming. So why don't we bring our good friend, Lon Harris on to double down on streaming news. Welcome back to the program, Lon Harris. 
it's time for you to beat the holiday rush with Snack Magic and their new partner in crime, Swag Magic. Yes, Snack Magic and Swag Magic are a global gifting platform that I have used and loved. It's stress free and it's a customizable way for you to delight your employees and your customers. All you need is the recipient's email. You don't need their address. What happens with Snack Magic is you take your 100 customers you love, you take the 100 consultants you love and that you want to show customer love for or partner love for. And what do you do? You email them. And then they get a little link that they click on and they can see thousands of curated snacks, drinks, office supplies, and now branded swag options. How annoying is it when somebody sends you swag that you don't like? You throw it right in the garbage. Whether you want to delight one person or 1,000, you can do it in the same amount of time. Boom, you just put the email addresses into Snack Magic and they do all the work. You can get 10% cash back on up to $1,000 until October 15th with the code HOLIDAY. HOLIDAY, it would be so nice. Just see more at snackmagic.com slash twist, snackmagic.com slash twist, and use the promo code, like Madonna says, HOLIDAY. Okay, we got a lot to get through. This we is, got I, a I lot. don't know, what, I know. what's Let's going get on. To it. It's every week, this week in streaming becomes a docket that runneth over. It's I'm, like it's a huge part of the economy or something. Well played. Well played. <laughs> I guess it's two out of my nine J <laughs> trades are based on this thing. Um, <laughs> well, what right. do we make Where in do you America want to start? anymore? We just make shows. Lon, yeah. That's what. Oh, we and make. by the way, this is Lon Harris. You can follow L O N S on Twitter if you want to um, get a nice mixture of. You know, full Bernie Krat plus. It's uh, really not a lot of Bernie. I, I love, really don't post a lot of Bernie. I love it's like Lon's one Twitter. Bernie for every nine interesting yeah, insights. Like a, it's, it's, you it. make it sound like I'm Eugene V. Debs over there, and it's mostly about TV shows. Like, it is mostly, I was about to say, 10% Bernie, Bernie, Once in a while, just like some full content awesomeness that I wish I said. Yeah, he does do some full content stuff. I, I'm just giving a <laughs> warning to the 17% contact rather. Listen, if you're a fans who are listening fan, right now, you're maybe not going to be into it. But. My delightful, my delightful. Good for you, uh, by the way. Brigade. Okay, where go are we going to go here, though? Are we going yeah, Emmys? Are we going Jason's favorite movie, Blade Runner? Like, mm. do we want to talk about Zaslav more murders? Almost I mean, as the, many the, murders the, as, as House of the Dragon. <laughs> I mean, there's that there's that Goldman Sachs conference that's going on this week. So every streaming CEO has spoken there. So we could go yes. through all the stuff they're talking about. They're arguing about how much Hulu's worth. And then Backish is basically giving away that they're going to merge Paramount Plus and Showtime fully at some point. It's, mm-hmm. it's more at this point, I think, a when than an if. And I already right, why don't you, start? you can already bundle them. Yeah, uh, let's start with that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, what, you the, think, what are the biggest headlines coming out of this? So what is this conference? Uh, Goldman Sachs, they're having a conference. I believe it's in LA. It's tech, it's communication, whatever. It's one of those excuses for every CEO to get on stage and talk about how great they're doing and mm-hmm. how good everything is going and how buy promising the future look and buy our stock. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So the, the biggest headline was the Wall Street Journal earlier this week published a report that was basically... Within Paramount Global, they're having a lot of discussions about dropping Showtime as a freestanding streaming service and just roping it in as part of your Paramount Plus subscription. There's already a bundle that's lower cost than I do, so you can already get Showtime content pulled in through Paramount Plus, uh, but this would just be dropping the... Showtime would become, you know, like how FX works with Hulu. It's a hub within this larger system, not its own service that you have to add on. Yes, please. Yes. Yeah. It's well. I mean, we're seeing the the premium cable networks, HBO, Epics, Stars, like they're kind of in this weird in between place right now. So all their parent companies are figuring out, you know, what the heck to do with them. Like Epics Mm -hmm. was part of MGM. Stars is owned by Lionsgate. It's like they don't make enough content to live on their own and compete on their own, but they make enough good stuff that it's not just throwaway. You know, like there's value there because Showtime has Yellow Jackets. They've got that new Dexter show. They did that W. Kamau Bell Cosby special earlier this year that was really good. Like there's good Showtime content. There's just, you know, it's not, not enough. enough. No one's paying to for get that to alone 30, 40, 50 million subs, I think exactly. becomes the issue. And if you can right. get to, I'm going to pick a number. Like, if you can directly get to 30, 40, 50 million subs, then maybe you deserve to be a standalone. 
But if you get to 5, 10, 15, yeah. you know, which is maybe where an FX or a Showtime or like Cinemax, is that the other like yeah. next down the premium right. cable? Right, which Cinemax really was only one of those, but back. now Cinemax is owned by HBO, Warner. It's in that WB Discovery. So a lot of the Cinemax shows are sort of being pulled into HBO Max or that's where they'll live from now on. But they don't want to be second fiddle to another peer brand is probably the issue. So like having Cinemax under HBO as like a logo or a channel, does it actually mean anything to anybody? I mean, that's that's where you get into, it becomes a branding. I mean, I think the reason this hasn't already happened would be because they want people who still have cable to ah. pay for Showtime as a premium network. That's not so going away. Right. right, just like HBO still exists technically as a cable network. So does Showtime, and they're probably not going to get rid of that. So that's the worry. If we just start letting you watch Dexter on Paramount+, Plus, who's going to sign up for the cable Showtime package? But at this point, I think that's that's becoming a minor enough concern that forget about it. You can't you can't base your streaming future on legacy cable networks in 2022. One thing I've also noticed that I sort of want to ask you about is that there's a lot of deals, a lot of deals on streaming services right now. Yeah. Like I noticed that Disney is offering a big discount for signups. I think it was Peacock is like sign up for a dollar. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. between that and sort of this conversation about folding in the smaller, you know, networks yeah, <laughs> into what sort of sound like cable bundles, like the competition is real out here. It's very real. And I think we're in the very last gasp of uh, like maximize subscribers. Like uh, uh, at the same conference, this gold, Goldman Sachs conference, Gunnar Weidenfels, the CFO of WB Discovery, uh, he gave a, a presentation and he was talking about, first of all, every streaming service is underpriced in his opinion. They all should raise their prices. And the other thing he was saying is we're, we're done with the era of all of these companies are giving away content for cheap to try to maximize subs. We're now in, turn them into a real business you got to actually earn money. You're not spending more than you're making. And so I think that's what we're we're in this very last ditch effort to like, let's sign up as many people as we can before the end of this quarter, because after that, we're tightening our belts and all this stuff is going away and we got to start focusing on maximizing revenue and profit. That seems uniquely like a Warner problem or challenge because they have 50 billion in debt. When they put those companies together, they have to service yes. the debt. If you're running a startup, you know that every little bit of help counts between running your team, building the product, getting compliant, hiring people, studying, customer support, everything. It's overwhelming. I know that. I work with y'all every day. But the Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub is here to help you. They're going to help you build a better startup from day one, whether you're plugged into Silicon Valley or not. The Microsoft for Startup Founders Hub is a digital platform created by founders for founders and they give you amazing benefits. The first one right off the bat, unbelievable, up to $150,000 in Azure credits and then one-to-one -one technical advisory on scalability, best practices, security, your tech stack, all that stuff. And you get access to a huge mentor network plus free dev tools like GitHub Enterprise, access to partners like OpenAI, Bubble and others free Microsoft software, including Outlook and Teams, and much, much more. The program is open to everyone. There's no fundraising requirements. You don't need to know somebody. They want to support all founders. It takes just five minutes to apply, and startups get all these massive benefits immediately. So learn more and sign up for Microsoft for Startups Founders Hub today at, you're going to write this down right now. Stop what you're doing. Get a pen, get a paper, aka.ms slash This Week in Startups. That's simple. AKA dot ms slash this week in startups and as we've seen they've been doing cuts and general zazov yeah, they did, they, has they been coming in layoffs to the ad team this, just this week beautiful this is what mm. general zazov <laughs> has to do he has to come in and oh, bow that, before HBO zod Max that kneel had the before big, zodloff the big he's, he's the heavy this is what he's got to do so he's got to cut, cut, cut let's go to this guy who doesn't even wait until the glow is off of the hbo emmy wins to I'm get hoping the, that get the he fired people. Again. This is my hope, Molly. I hope while people were at the Emmys, that's when he did the layoffs <laughs> during oh, the Emmys. Awful. They get back from the Emmys. They got it's a pink awful. slip. Let's go. These were, these were ad sales people. So it wasn't, it wasn't like he was. Gene Smart yep. didn't get a pink slip from Hacks when she got home from the Emmys. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> Keep going. Keep it's going. Great. Uh, great. What, did Zod, what did Zod do now, General Zod? 
Uh, I don't do it. I mean, that was, that was the big WBD story this week was they're, they're, they're probably probably going to raise the prices on HBO Plus and Discovery Plus do if it. they feel like they're severely underpriced. Uh, I believe Chapik said that about Disney Plus 2, that he feels that they're underpriced. Well, that was their strategy. That, Didn't they come out at seven, six or seven dollars? That was absurd. Yes, they, they came out at an absurdly low one, and now they're going to raise it because the ad the ad package is coming out. So for $7.99 a month, you'll be able to get Disney Plus, but it will have ads. You'll have to go up to $10.99 a month ad-free. Who's not spending I mean, I think, yeah, I think $3 people are more for no ads? I think people are going to should be $15 without ads. $15. Right, well, that's what Chappick was basically yeah. saying this week is it, it's still underpriced, and it'll probably— What does it cost to go to movies for the average It's going to go up. Money. What is it? I mean, I know for me, I go to the movies at a, a fancy, dancy place. It costs me, I think, eighteen dollars a ticket for these. I crazy mean, in LA, yeah, it's twelve to fifteen. It's per always ticket, right, yeah, just, minimum. just for the ticket, and then I think you know, everything cost, else is on top. I think the cost of one movie ticket would makes it easily justifiable. Well, sure. So, I if mean, a movie ticket's twelve to fifteen, about, that's easily justifiable. Especially if you're talking about a service that you're watching a lot of things on per month. I mean, there are, there mm -hmm. are those services, like I've been saying, you know, Paramount Plus or even Disney, where there's a few shows at a time that are sort of must-sees. Apple, it's a more curated thing. But right. if you're on Amazon or you're on Peacock or you're on Netflix, they're coming. It's new stuff all the time. They're, they're the throwing it at you constantly. Hulu's and I a, think you know, as they consolidate, that's where we're going to see the ability to raise prices like right now the thing is that they're you know whatever i've got six or however many i have i don't even know i'm not paying 15 bucks for each of them that will cause me to 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 go full uh general zod on my streaming <laughs> service subscriptions yeah. you know but um but At if it gets to the point do. where it's just three or four yeah, like I it mean, was like i think the breaking point up. is when people see 20 bucks i think you have to think about it at 20 I think when you're 15 and under, it's a no, you don't even think about it. That's my position. And I think the $7 one brings in people who, let's just, to use a term, are, you know, uh, maybe the bottom third of earners in the country, you know, like, because they might actually care about 15. I, I think you look at also like an hour of labor, too. Price That's sort of how I used to look at the world, is I would look at the world of how many hours do I have to work at three fifty an hour to afford what I was going to do. And it was I, like, do, okay. I do think there's an interesting, there is something beyond price too, where there's just like fatigue at the idea of having to have all of these services. Like exactly. you hear that a lot from people where it's like the idea behind streaming was it was supposed to be different from cable and we didn't need to have everybody's service. And it was just one or two things that we could find everything there. And so I think there is just like we used to see. Uh, when when inside was apps for your phone, we yeah. would get amazing reviews. People loved our apps, but then right. it would be like, "But would you install this on your phone?" And they'd be mm -hmm. like, "No, I have enough apps. Mm -hmm. I don't want any more. Not one more app on my phone." Or they install it and sign up and then don't use it, which is always right. soul crushing. You're There's like, "Oh my god, huge five stars!" But I don't open it every day. It's going to be There's great. There's a huge when mental barrier. Like you, you just feel like that's too many apps. I don't want that many apps on my phone. And I feel like people feel that same way. Like that's too many services. I don't want to have that many services. They Even if feel that like, way, you can't like you don't know what things are on. It's going to be yeah. great when one overarching service comes in and says, "Hey, let me offer you like a bundle." of all of these channels for one monthly cost yeah, no, and no, no. then you'll just be able to search across you could have a guide and it would show you like nope, which channel happen. things are on everybody that it's would so be funny like that so many i use roku try to make this work like that now i actually use roku like i do, like as though my streaming services are my cable subscription oh I roku consolidates them all in a menu nicely yeah it does and it's searchable so like now That's i just nice. go to you know i have my roku tv I go to the home screen. I search for whatever show Lon told me to watch because I have no idea what service it's on. Which, by the and way, this Roku was... pulls it up and is like, it's on Netflix, yeah. boop. And I'm like, thank you. Which, by you. the way, was Steve Jobs' vision for this was you just use Siri, you say what you want and it comes up. When you are using the Apple remote, there's a thing called Apple TV, not confusing at all. And what that does is it doesn't take you to Apple TV Plus to see Ted Lasso. No, It takes you to not. a service that is supposed to be uh, a, a consolidation of every title. Uh, yeah. The a hub. They call it the hub, right? Now? I mean, and anyway, everybody's that's, trying to get Apple that called everything hub the thing, hub. like Just Watch. There, there's there's tons of these new apps and services come up all the time that are trying to do this. Roku and Apple are probably the closest to anybody to When you do it on Apple, it you now, in the settings, you it's so confusing because you either go to Apple Hub TV, Apple TV Hub, 
or you can reprogram that button on your remote to go to your home screen where you have your apps and you can pick the individual HBO app. So if you go to Hub Molly and you so pick you industry, you have to reprogram it to do the thing that you want to do. Exactly. Yeah, I want to go like pick. Apple. I want to. It, it turns out the that. dedicated app for HBO is a great experience. I want to be in that app. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to be in Hulu watching HBO. I want to go in the HBO one because it has like all the um, extras and stuff like that, nicely neatly laid out. So that this is where like it, it's kind of happening, but it's just wildly confusing right yeah and i think there there's just a there's just a tendency among people to feel like well i have three services it doesn't matter how great this fourth one is it doesn't matter how cheap it is i'm at my limit I'm just exactly i'm, just, I'm at it's my limit confusing. i'm not i'm not in the market for a new streaming service right Happened now to thank me with you. cars it's, it's the choices problem like we have too many choices and so we just start yeah. to like simplify simplify like i just want and i this. think like peacock and paramount plus like i do feel like on some level that's what's happening it's not that they're that much worse than these other services it's just people already had three or four and they were like i'm good i don't need it i'm fine i, I literally want to get like a beater up jeep to take on the beach and stuff like that and in the snow at tahoe whatever mm-hmm. and i've really wanted to get a corvette you know i haven't had one for over a decade um and for me, it's just like with cars. I'm like, you know what? I got three cars. It's just enough. It's enough already right. with the maintenance, with the tires. Right. I can what only drive one at a time. It? I'm only driving 50 miles a week now, 100 yeah. miles a week. It's like, mm-hmm. it makes no difference in my life. For, for you, it's cars. For most people, it's uh, streaming. Service. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm talking about yeah. getting a, even for me, it's the like prospect. Uh, pairs of jeans. Like, I already yeah. have two. No, I'm talking about like a beat up. I want to get like a 15 grand Jeep Wrangler that's 10 years old that I yeah. can just beat on. And I, I just the. A camping car. The registering of it, the, it's like my the getting car. keeping the tires <laughs> right, like most people's vehicle. That's just that's just my. I my have regular I car. have that obsession though, like with like a two thousand five uh, BMW X five. That's yeah, like great. the camping car I totally want to buy. Okay, let's move on to uh, Blade Runner, shall we? We yeah. got Blade Runner. We got a new show to watch. Uh, not just Blade Runner. We also have a show about Spotify. Let's talk about upcoming TV. Blade Runner twenty ninety nine was hmm. green lighted. Do we say green lighted or green lit? I usually say green lit, but either is I like green lit because it's short. I like, like green lit. Trade, it's trades shorter. will use either one. So. Yeah. All right. Well, it, it was green lit by Amazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nick just changed Illuminated it in real time amber. because that's how on the ball he is. With, because Amazon is signaling that they plan to continue to spend crap tons of money on awesome that's stuff. Tough. Ridley Scott, Love executive it. producing a series. Yeah. Love it. Right? This is not a this is not yeah. a movie. It's a series, and Fantastic. it's a follow up to Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Animated series last year. This is the first ever live action. What Blade was that called? Runner. Lotus or something? Black Lotus. Black, Black Lotus. Lotus. Yeah, it was yeah. okay. It was okay. Dang. So yes, this is a uh, totally in line. This is a follow up to Blade Runner twenty forty nine, mm-hmm. which of course came out in twenty seventeen, and it's in which line with Amazon really like picking its shots. Right? Like not no spray and pray here. They're going full Lord of the I mean, Rings. The, There's the no word of- on budget, but. Yeah, but the thing about Blade Runner that's so amazing is it it like we've we they've had so many at bats and we know that this is a niche thing. Like the people who yeah. love it love it and obsess mm-hmm. over it and will watch it eight times and buy the tie-in novel and the art of Blade Runner book and they'll get the Blu-ray, but there's just not that many of them. And like I'm sitting I'm sitting right here, Alon. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm one of them too. But like hmm. because when Villeneuve uh, who did Blade Runner 2049, his next big project was Dune. And people were like, oh, man, it's going to be the same thing. It's another one of these niche sci-fi properties. Uh, but that one was a big hit. So yeah. hmm. it does look like it's Blade Runner just has a, there's a limited audience. It's got a core audience of, yeah, yeah, whatever, tens of millions of people, not a hundred million. Who right. It's not a this. Game of Thrones or or Lord of the Rings. Right level from the ne- it's a next year down because let's face it, it's intelligent. And so it's, are you? It's, it's so <laughs> are you saying you 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 doubt this choice? You're not so sure about this. Jo- I, I mean, mean, Lord I, of the Rings listen, also you, you know same thing, right? Like niche geek. I love of. it. I'm I super pumped. It. I can't wait for this show. I mean, I liked Ridley Scott's other big expensive show. Nobody watched Raised by Wolves. I was the only one who was into that. Yeah, I couldn't um, get through it. On HBO like, Max. So. Right, so I'm, I'm, I know I'm in. It's just hmm. to me, I don't think the the breakout potential of a Blade Runner series strikes me as like limited. I just, I just know there's a lot of people that have that. Like it's, it's a little slow. It's a little cerebral. It's not for everybody, and like Artistic. it has its fans. But yeah, I don't know. So what do you think that's about? What does that say about Amazon's choices? That because that's where the money's going, right? Is these big, somewhat limited? Well, I would imagine this one's going to be cheaper than Rings of Power. It'll it's, it's going to be a yes, definitely scaled down from that, right? 
I mean, I don't know. Like you could do a you could do a, a cheaper like obviously there's expense and you gotta build future Los Angeles and you know, like there's there's action. But I you could probably rein in a Blade Runner project more than like epic fantasy. I would yeah. do this if I Molly, if I, if you're asking about Amazon strategy, mm-hmm. I think the strategy is executives getting to go to premieres and for employees to feel great about Amazon. Yep. Uh so don't get attached. Instead of buying ads. On TV shows, just buy the TV show and it's an ad for Amazon because you put the logo on the front. Yeah. So you could, I know this sounds crazy, but what's what's an underserviced fan genre that feels ignored that has, I don't know, 25, 50 million people in it? Is there some show? Like what, what are the shows that you guys- Buffy. Buffy. Perfect, well, I mean, perfect he's example. Doing Buffy. It. The Expanse was, the Expanse was the, the, Expanse. the, the key mm-hmm. example. Like that's, he's perfect. already done that where he came in, swooped in, Saved the niche show that had a diehard but not very big audience. Perfect way to make people feel good about Amazon, the brand, the company, Mm -hmm. the institution, make a little bit of money off of it. And if it loses a little bit, it makes a little bit. It just draws people into the orbit of Amazon. And it makes people have an affinity for Amazon. So you're adjacent to buying stuff on Amazon, cloud computing, Amazon Basics, uh, Whole Foods, it just makes people feel good about the brand. I look at it in a way as like monetized marketing. We, we I think it's a really, it's a good observation it. and it yeah. it kind of, um, it's like Amazon internalized the lessons of Comic-Con, right? And the lessons of fandom yeah. and the importance of, in a way that Netflix hasn't, right? If you're just like spray and pray populist fare, then you have people who might just default to you because it's there and there's a lot on it, but you don't have the love. Like, fan, you know, fandom is a powerful thing. It creates the the internet army that protects you throughout your, you know, existence. It's what people line up for at Hall H at Comic-Con. Like, I do think that Amazon seems to understand that in that love can be more powerful than numbers. It's like the podcasting game. And there, I mean, there is a personal touch to this too. Like we mentioned The Expanse, Jeff Bezos, a big outspoken fan of those novels. Yeah. When they bought the show was like, I love this series. I love these books. What do you think I would be doing if I was in his shoes? I'd be like, let's go. Gladiator, the series. Black Hawk Down, the series. Right. Uh, Blade Runner, so, the series. I would be right. like, so totally. I think throwing he's just a $100 million dollar bag out the window. But this is why I'm saying don't get attached to these shows because he's gone now, friends. Right, and yeah, AWS okay, yeah. is Jassy's bag. So don't don't get too comfortable right. with Amazon's media. As predicted by us, Amanda Seafried. Is that how you pronounce Seafried. Mm-hmm. One for... Her Elizabeth Holmes portrayal. Congratulations. So amazing. Congratulations. And that dance she did? (laughs) Yeah. Awkward Asperger's robot dance. That that robot dance is what won it With her headphones in it, she's trying to like, what was the guy's name? God, it's amazing. Who's her number two? Who's going to jail for longer than her? Sunny 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 or When she does the equivalent of a lap dance for Sunny Bawani to (laughs) try to make him like- with yeah. the smooth, with like her weird smoothie. It's yeah. like, this is the, the least <laughs> sexy thing I've ever seen. Like, I'm trying, I'm trying to give her the better, let her have her moment of being desirable on screen. And it was just like, I don't think that was the I'm plan. Feeling yeah. nauseous. It's just, <laughs> well, now is this we, person okay, so, coming closer to me? <laughs> and now we have a new show. Now we have a new, as predicted, well, that's, this that is that the was, genre of the, the future, right? Thank you for the segue. I was trying to yeah. key up the segue. Give it. Let's go. Drop for you to get there, man. I know. <laughs> go ahead, give gotta jump ahead. We're on time as clock. predicted, though, the tech industry is the new, uh, it's the IP of the future. And it's like Lon the Marvel alerted Universe. Us. <laughs> it's like the Marvel Universe. Lon mm-hmm. alerted us to a fictionalized series about Spotify called The Playlist. From Sweden. This is a Swedish show. Um, so we're gonna have Sweden. to watch it with the subtitles on. They made oh. their own their own. No, super you don't. They, they everything on Netflix is dubbed. I watched some of these Korean Oh yeah, you uh, could you could watch the dub. I watched That's, some of the Korean mm-hmm. dramas with my daughter and she just wants it in English, she doesn't want to do subtitles. Oh really? Uh, no, so. the dub is so weird, but okay. Yeah, it's, I don't um, like the dub, but you could for watch For a twelve this year old, dub. it's a it's kind of hard. Yeah. They will they will definitely dub because they put a trailer up in English. So whenever they do that, that means they're gonna dub it for sure. 
Do we like? I love that when the mouth is not anywhere. Yeah, near. It doesn't match, but that's okay. Do we? Uh, I mean, do we have a sense that the Spotify origin story is this dramatic? This is gonna be the most I boring story ever told. Like it yeah, is, I right? I feel like it's a lot of <laughs> negotiations with music publishers and right. the yeah. music It's going to be terrible. There's nothing interesting. Like I think, like they had one party where somebody drank too much and puked. Like that's going to be like the big controversy. <laughs> is like, yeah. oh my god, did you see Sven? Sven, but he got tanked at the Christmas party. He puked on Daniel Lex's shoes. It was crazy. <laughs> The Stockholm startup guys, they it's want their own show. Fish. You gotta let them have a show. The it's only based thing here. on a book. Okay. The book Spotify Untold by Swedish author Sven Carlson and Jonas Legenhofold. The book, I made that, I, I, I have you. no idea. Um, the book is <laughs> I described mean, the name as, is L-E-G-O-N-H-U-F-V-U-D. I, mean, I think I did great as far as I'm great. concerned. That was like, you, you don't know, want that's me going for that one. It's my North Dakota roots right there. The book is described as, quote, a David versus Goliath story about how strong convictions, unrelenting willpower, and big dreams can help small players take on the titans of tech. Wow. Woo! Wow. I'm sorry, what, what was the like, story it might, about? Be a, it might be a perfectly fine <laughs> business book. And then they book, released I, I don't know. the Mac OS S, the Mac OS desktop version. Oh, and it crashed everybody's computer. It crashed all the Spotify. I mean, come on. And then Steve Jobs said, we're going to build our own. And hung up the phone. Like, literally, that's going to be the scene. It's going to be uh, Daniel Eck on line one. And he's like, uh, uh, Mr. Jobs, we'd like to borrow you. He's like, I'm sorry, who is this? It's Daniel Eck. I I'm sorry, what are you calling about? We're making a streaming service where you can play music. He's like, yeah, congratulations. It's called iTunes. Yeah, but in Oz, you're going to pay a subscription fee instead of paying 99 cents. Oh, really? Wow, you're a genius. Play. I never thought about that. Goodbye. Like, that's and literally going to be the same. And then, I mean, Spotify did win. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't, I, I realized when I was reading this, book. like, I don't, I don't actually know the Spotify story. Like, I know it appeared on my it, computer I, I, one day, and now I have I, it. I lived it. I lived it. They, but if it didn't They explode. got the rights in Sweden. They got the rights in some countries in Europe. In America, they couldn't get the rights. They were, the PR people were giving American journalists access to it with like right, a, I remember a, a, I had mm -hmm. it for like a month exactly. I had it they, for a month yeah, or two and the rollout yeah, yeah. was very dramatic and certainly negotiating with the music industry is no joke but it's not good TV you know no. it's like a lot of right. <laughs> here's what they to need to do Molly they need to start with we signed Joe Rogan Right. And he had Alex Jones <laughs> right. on. Start uh, That's there. the interesting story. Start the podcasting there. story is interesting. People quitting. Did you hear what Joe Rogan said? The guy being like, That's oh, my God, we gave a hundred million. You gave a hundred million dollars to the two hundred million dollars to this guy. and You didn't listen to the podcast. Did you know he said this on the podcast? When like, you uh, get to cast, you get who's going to play Neil Young? Who's going to play David Crosby? Now That's that interesting. Joe Rogan. That's who's going to play Jordan Peterson? You know, they, it's they, like they, a six episode you know, limited series. That's the fun of it. Here's the thing yeah. about Spotify. Young men are addicted to the nope. service and then they can't get anybody's. <laughs> you know, you I that, can't uh, even they won't even distribute me. Uh, and, you know, young men are paying for it and they keep paying. <laughs> they keep paying with their souls, Molly. I'm just holding up my red flag. I'm not listening to a word uh, of this. Yeah, Did you guys see that, that Chris Pine <laughs> said his character Sign up in for Don't me on Worry, Rumble. Darling, <laughs> I'm the on new Rumble. Olivia Wilde movie, is Jordan Peterson. He said he based it on Jordan Peterson. I know. I can't wait to see it. Very I cannot wait Chris Pine see. doing his Jordan Peterson impression. So oh, well, time to go. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's it. For I'm, I didn't mean to trigger you. <laughs> yes, you no, did. But join Rumble because yeah, I'm doing did. a, I'm on Ben Shapiro and I'm interviewing yeah, Trump from Mar-a-Lago. He's been framed. <laughs> you know, young men look up to Trump. I'm well, going to stop. It's turning into Kermit the Frog. as always. Uh, I did start watching Paper Girls, but then I heard it's already canceled, so I don't it think I'm going to The time since I recommended it to you, <laughs> they know. brutally canceled <laughs> it. I, Stupid. It is, it is shocking to me that Brian K. Vaughn's stuff is not translating to TV. He did Why the Last Man. He did Paper Girls. These are such great books. They're they so just great. Can't, something about mm. it in the adaptation is getting lost. I don't did, know. You, yeah. did you House of Dragons 4, Mom? I hope for the next one. I read all the recaps. I am up to date. Did you, read, uh, you did House of 4? Yeah. I'm, I'm all caught up. Yeah, I'm all caught up. I mean. I, I'm, I'm just, I've determined it's I just prostitution porn. It's prostitution porn. I had porn. to look away at a minute because I was just like, I don't. No, thank you. Alert. I'm like, incest, brothel, I, I just don't feel great watching this. It was a little 
But I guess I that's mean, what it, happened in those times. People married their uncles. Light no, marital like, rape. People always say that. Like, it, it, you, you, they don't have to show. If they didn't want to do a story about that, they didn't have to. It's not like that was happening exactly. constantly. I feel like this is like okay. Now I'm just going to get us in trouble. But you know how like we started and and the and the showrunners were like, we're going to definitely not repeat the mistakes of Game of Thrones when it comes to the treatment of women. It feels like this is actually just like a Me Too revenge romp. The whole thing. <laughs> it's like no, actually, we're going to make a whole series about how. She you ladies have been treated throughout history, and then we're going to be like, it's history. What it can we do? Weird, it is a weird bait and switch that, that beforehand like, so much of the conversation was about. This is going to be empowering for women. We're, we're right. not going to well, do I mean, she's what an empowering character, show. but... No, they, she's n- not. Well, I mean, she rides a dragon and is crisped a I bunch mean, of I people, you but... Could, you, you could make the case, but it's very yeah. like... Then you get these gaslighty articles that are like, it's actually do. all about the women and the power of the women. I'm like, no... It's prostitution porn. They're, they're putting the them whole through thing. a whole lot before they get to they the are, That does seem to be hard. I, okay, I agree with that. I'm 50-50 on it. It's a little bit, it's a little bit like, it's the bait and switch part. It's like, if you hadn't had that conversation up front, it'd be one right. thing. But instead, it literally is like, oh my God. <laughs> I knew this was an issue because, you know, at the end, they do a recap because the shows are so complex and they're like so yeah. muddy and dark and all the names are hard to follow. This, you know, there's a lot of character points here to keep up with. So at the end, they're like, Hi. I'm a female. I'm involved with the production of this show. Let me mm-hmm. address the issues you have with how females are treated in the show. <laughs> right. And she's like, yeah. so I wanted to do this. And she's talking literally about the brothel sex scene. And she's like, I wanted to do this in a new way from a woman's perspective, because normally <laughs> this is the man's gaze. So let me show you that how I manifested the woman's gaze, because women do have sex as well and enjoy it. There literally is like a short film yeah. after yeah. the episode yeah, and they I do their like ten minute making. Did you of see the it show in that right instance? And Talon's point, did you see point, it or watch it or no? Like Talon's point, I don't, like, I don't usually you don't have watch to those. tell that story. Just because I like this. to have the, I like to have my my own reactions instead of parodying what the HBO people said. So I don't, right, I don't, you don't I want them to, to give it. you their talking mm-hmm. points, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That, oh, better, that's professional. That's professionalism. Yeah. It's so Thank weird. You. All right, listen, Lon, we could talk to you for hours. We always do. We could. So we're we going to try go. to be disciplined today and let you get out of here. We're going to get out of here. Um, I just also want to say shout out to industry. I'm very much enjoying the show. It's yeah, Euphoria meets, um, it's Euphoria. Succession. Billions. Meets billions, as you described it. Yeah. Freaking great. And the actors Fun. are all amazing. And there's only one actor I recognize. Um, Ken Leung from Lost. Ken Leung, who I love. Yeah, he was He's great. From, we got to uh, cast him in Lost. our show. Maybe I'll oh, start that one great. since... Since your recommendation for me got the boot. All right. See you next Bye, week. Lon. See All you right. next week. Bye, Bye All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. And thanks again for our good friend, Lon Harris, for joining us. Follow him, twitter.com slash L-O-N-S. And remember, stump the lawn. Ask him, tell him two things you like, and ask him for three more. That's yep. what I want you to do. Stump the lawn. You can put the hashtag on stump the lawn, at lawns on Twitter. Here's the two things I love. Give me three more like it. He loves I it. I have yet to see anybody win this game so we'll bring it on uh and then stay tuned tomorrow of course for another great friday variety show a little news a little series a and of course okay boomer and congratulations to all the newly rich figma employees joining launch fund Four. first webinar tomorrow That's friday right. do you know there's <laughs> over 600 people signed up for our launch fund Four webinar i uh, do i'll be there i'm stoked i yeah i'm i'm not nervous but I'm excited. It's a lot of incoming. Yeah. That's all. I mean, it's a little crazy. And we have over a thousand people signed up uh, to go to the webinar. And I'm, I decided I'm going to do a story, either Fortune or Forbes or Reuters. Somebody emailed me like, and then I talked on CNBC about it yeah, last night. People want people are like intrigued by this raising a fund in public. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm super excited about it. If you're interested, just email me Calicanis, my last name at launch.co. And me or somebody on my team will get that. I'm getting 20 to 50 people a day emailing about it. So mission accomplished with this. Like, I think raising in public is cool. It's going to be a little extra pressure. It's really Uh, good. And you're doing it at exact. The timing is perfect because it's this exact moment when VC is becoming more mainstream. hmm. You're already a celebrity investor. Like, for you know, to give this kind of to have this brand at this moment that VC is becoming more Hmm. mainstream and to give this look behind the curtain is catnip. I think it's kind of fun to everybody get educated and make a good decision. Uh, somebody yeah. was like, is this for everybody? I'm like, absolutely not. It's for accredited or qualified purchases only. So right. it's only for 6% of the country. But I do think in the coming years, maybe launch fund five, six or seven, we would be able to set up some kind of a pool, Molly, and say, hey, to our family members, non-accredited people who are friends, if you want to put in $100 or $500 instead of 
you know, uh, going mm-hmm. out this weekend and having a dinner or whatever, you know, take a flyer, learn about venture, get yeah. educated, go ahead and do it. You know, like, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I, I'm a little upset at myself, if I'm being honest. I wanted to do this for Launch Fund 3. I don't want to say I felt bullied, but I kind of got bullied into not doing it. Like, a lot of people were like, it's just don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I'm like, hmm. but my whole career is about increasing access to this asset class. Right. Why not do it? Like, because nobody does it. Uh, because that's just the tradition. Because it's complicated. And I'm like, not for me. <laughs> not complicated right. for me. It's extra work. I'm like, not for me. It is a lot of extra work. But it is, yeah, it's extra work. It is a lot more work. I can tell you, you know, these 20 to 50 emails a day, I asked people when you email me, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself, because I want to know who I'm in business with, obviously, and you know, even if it's a small check, even if it's a 10k check or a 25k check or a 50k check, which is mm-hmm. nothing for an accredited or qualified purchaser, obviously. Um, you know, it's like going on going away for the weekend. Um, I mean, I've seen people play poker hands for that amount, uh, much even larger amount. So it's not a lot for a rich person to put in a 50k check, but I still want to get to know them, because I have a limited mm-hmm. number of slots. So I'm trying to get to know everybody. And with a 1000 people already signed up, if this gets to 2000, it's impossible for me to do that. So that's where I'm now thinking, how do you even CRM? Yeah, how do you even build relationships that many people? And that's why I decided to do these group webinars, because I can reach 600 people a webinar or more. And so tomorrow's the first one. And then I'm going to do one, I'm going to do three of them. So one a week for three weeks. So if you're hearing this, you missed week one, but week two and three, we still have slots open, Calacanis. C-A-L-A-C-A-N-I-S at launch.co. Not a com, C-O. All right. All right, everybody. See you tomorrow. Like, launch a company. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye. (laughs)